American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and as always, we'll go over the weekend's Bundesliga results to begin the podcast. So, on Friday night, we've seen Osberg. Yes, they took a very early lead, but managed to lose 3-2 to Bayern Munich. On the Saturday, Wolfsburg 3, Mainz 0. Hoffenheim 3, Hanover 0. Schalke 0, Freiburg 0. Stuttgart 1, RB Leipzig 3, late kickoff game seeing Hertha Berlin 1 and a very late goal from Werder Bremen 1-1. On the Sunday, Eintracht Frankfurt 1, Borussia Mönchengladbach 1, Bayer Leverkusen 2, Fortuna Dusseldorf 0 and on Monday night, Nuremberg 0, Borussia Dortmund 0. Yes, we'll definitely be talking about that one plentiful so 21 goals only this week rather low by Bundesliga standards for match day 21 eh well joining me as always we have Chris Williams Chris how have you been I hear you've been on the radio <laughs> um, yes I have I was up very early this morning um, I was on radio in Liverpool because obviously I'm in Liverpool because um, Liverpool are playing Bayern Munich tomorrow as we record this it's Monday um, so yeah, that's it's been nice to come home. I rarely get to come home for more than a day, um, so to be here for three days is is great, and to catch up with people I haven't seen. Um, but football wise, what a dull weekend of Bundesliga action: nil nil, one one, one one, nil nil. Um, I think the best game of the weekend was the one on Friday that Manu was at. Yeah, it seems that way, and what a perfect way to. Um, head over to Manu who is still in Germany at the moment and yeah has been busy going to games Manu how's it been oh, it, it, it's been excellent um I guess I was pretty lucky because I I saw Augsburg Bayern that was five goals and then I saw Stuttgart Leipzig that was four goals so um conveniently stepped aside all the one ones zero zeros and then today um I went to 1860 and saw them beat Allen 2-1 in the most dramatic fashion price. <laughs> they they were playing the last uh, team in the league, and um, you know, unlike Dortmund, who took a whole 90 minutes without getting uh, past Nuremberg, 1860, they actually conceded a goal in the in the 48th, but then scored two goals 
in the 84th and the 88th to win the game. So, yeah, I, I got plenty of drama. So, uh, very, very fortunate, I guess, to miss out on all those 1-1s one and 0-0s. Zero yeah, absolutely. You didn't do too badly at all, did you? And with that 1860 game, I looked at my app and was like, oh, bad news from Manu. Next thing I looked and, well, you should turn things around fantastically. And as we said, they are the sweetest victories, aren't yeah. they? Those uh, late double goal winners. Yeah. Um, you should have seen it too, Bryce. It was absolutely brilliant. I mean, the Grünwalder Stadion, um, for, for anyone who wants to have that sort of experience, it, I think it's one of the best crowns to visit in Germany. And I'm not just saying that because uh, I'm a supporter of 1860, but it really is. It is it's a very old rough ground but it's very loud and when when those when that goal was going in that second one there was deer cups flying everywhere and uh, it's it, it was just the, the best moment ever so i, I think if and, and i know there's a lot of people that are listening to this podcast who are coming over for the liverpool game in at by against bayern right there's actually a local derby um, that will take place the day before um, between 1816 and the Haching. so if you come in the day early um, i urge you to get the tickets Yes, indeed. Certainly take them up on that offer if you can. But Manu, just before we jump up two divisions, uh, where does that exactly leave 1860 for anyone that's unaware of, uh, well, anything below the Bundesliga in Germany? Um, they're 11th um, in the league. They're seven points now away from the drop zone, which is, you know, people, of course, they remember them as a Bundesliga 2 side, but you have to remember they are promoted side from the fourth division after all that turmoil. If, if you're interested in that, we did a bit of a special on it um, after the relegation 2017. It's almost two years ago now. Um, but yeah, they're, they're 11th and this was a really important win for them. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm glad that you got the result that you wanted and the atmosphere that you wanted. Um, but now a little bit quieter maybe on the podcast. <laughs> eh? But uh, let's uh, let's move on. As I said, let's jump up two divisions, back to the Bundesliga. And yeah, Chris made a good point. Yes, there was plenty of draws. You know, there were games without goals. It, it was a rather lowest scoring affair in the Bundesliga compared to what we're used to. But there's plenty to talk about. And I mean loads to talk about. And let's start by talking about that Friday night game. Before we head over to Manu, who was there. Uh, Chris, Bayern have managed to come through this one after conceding early. And yeah, I mean, obviously we've went over the score, so there's no spoilers here. They've made things look somewhat more comfortable than what they have for a very long time at the top of the Bundesliga. Well, yeah, the um, um, as we chatted about this before we started recording, they did leak a goal inside of 13 seconds, but at the end of the day, they won 3-2. So um, I, I don't think Niko Kovac will be that worried whether they leaked a goal after 13 seconds or after 13 minutes or after 83 minutes. Um, the fact that they came through this game um, unscathed pretty much in the end, we think. Um, I'll let Manu chat about Kingsley Coman's ankle. Uh, but, yeah, there's, there's enough there maybe to worry Bayern fans with the upcoming games against Liverpool. But Bundesliga-wise, I don't really think it matters that they um, leaked a goal inside of 13 seconds. If they would have drew the game or maybe even um, were beaten by Augsburg. But they won 3-2 after being 1-0 and 2-1 down. So that shows me that Bayern have... Um, moved on out of their crisis that they had where they drew with Augsburg and then lost back-to-back and uh, and didn't play particularly well for a while. It shows me that they've got a little bit of fighting spirit back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're going to be looking at three points 
uh, one here, aren't they? Um, rather than maybe conceding so early, just as you said, Chris. But Manu, you were there. Um, very much a wild game. Five goals, and uh, four in the first half. Um, a very early own goal, and yeah, I, I, I think just like we mentioned about your eighteen sixty games, you were scoring and winning, kind of late on and coming back from a a far worse position. You know, it it makes that victory somewhat sweeter. Yeah, I think so. I think that I think that this Bayern side um, will feel really good about this victory. I, you know, they they Kings uh, Kovac spoke in length about the defensive problems um, that had own goal within fifteen seconds. Um, I think that is something that they have to learn. Uh, Kimmich, in particular, he was completely isolated on the right. Um, I think he was also at fault for the second goal. Um, and then Süle, of course, he didn't track back uh, G for that second goal. But at the same time, uh, this is this is something that I spoke to some of my colleagues that were sitting in the press box. What really impressed me about this Bayern side, they went they got they went down twice. Admittedly, not against one of the better sides in in German football, but um, they are such a great attacking side. They're very, very, very good going forward, and as a result, as a result, they they're just almost unplayable when they um, when they are able to go with with the with the attack. Which like, Kingsley Coman was impressive, Serge Gnabry was impressive. Um, I a lot of people in Germany, Didi Hamann in particular, have criticized Robert Lewandowski. I still don't quite understand why, because he he makes every team better, and. Um, same can be said at times about Hummus, and I think that when you look at that, they're so top heavy in some in some regards that when they go forward attacking wise, they're almost unplayable. Defense is of course a very a better team. Augsburg shipped two past them. I think any better team will probably do the same or more, and I think that is something that Kovac will have to shut down. And he he's he's spoken about shutting it down on several occasions because. Right now, every shot against them is a goal, and Augsburg really had only one and a half chances, Bryce, in this match, and they scored two goals from them. And I think that is that is a huge concern for for Bayern going forward because not every team that they will face will be as toothless as Augsburg or as defensively weak as Augsburg. No, absolutely. And so we talked um, a little bit in previous weeks, and and as you've just mentioned about how their defense hasn't been great how their attack has been great uh, and I mean since that winter break including the Pokal game they scored 17 goals you know uh, and that's that's impressive in five games you know that, that, that's remarkable really uh, Manu do, do you think with uh, this positive um, attack but also this negative in defence is it going to be enough to uh, to catch Dortmund yes Dortmund may have dropped some points this weekend again we will get to that in time. Uh, but if, if we're looking at them at the table at the moment, both of those teams at the top seem like they could drop points uh, you know, by the end of the season. But who who do you think is going to manage to get over the line? I think that Bayern in the end of the season will have around 80 points. And uh, the year that Dortmund won their last title, they had 81. Right? So that that is that is basically, if you want to beat Bayern and win the championship, you simply cannot drop points anymore. And we will get to talk about Dortmund a little bit later in this podcast, but that's that's the bottom line. 
you will have to play a perfect season because yes i can see bayern dropping points but it's not going to be very many from here we now match day 22 with 12 games left how many more points are they going to drop potentially they could potentially only one stumbling block left for them is that Dortmund game right so i think um i think and chris said this quite well ahead of this podcast we were chatting no one is going to remember the fact that Augsburg got two goals if they win the title in the end of the season. No one was going to care that their defense was leaky at times if they win the title, right? No one's going to care. So I think um, defense will remain a worry for them, but if they keep winning games, so what? Yeah, absolutely. No, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Chris, if we go to you, we're going to talk domestically about Bayern, um, a similar question, and then talk a little, a little bit about the uh, Liverpool game. So good in attack, you know, so frail at the back. Uh, do you think they'll be able to catch Dortmund at, at this rate? Do you agree with Manu? Yes, because uh, because the gap is now only three points and um, Dortmund have to travel to the Allianz Arena. So I think over this, maybe not just over this weekend, but over the last few weekends, I think maybe the shift has gone back to Bayern. And, and that's not me saying I think Dortmund... You know their title chances over. I just think with Bayern's experience, coupled with Dortmund's youth in their side, the fact that there's a lot of players who haven't been in a title fight before, um, Lucien Favre is back into a league that he hasn't coached in for a while. Um, I just think now that maybe the stars uh, are starting to align a little bit for Bayern. But uh, this is a title race, and it's what everybody wants. And if it's three points or two points or one point, or there's a shift back to Bayern and then a shift back to Dortmund. That's what we want. We want a title race. Um, and as uncomfortable as it gets for, for everybody, the closer it gets to the end and the closer it gets between the two teams, that's what we're all here to see. We're all here to see, and no disrespect to Bayern Munich, but we're all here to see Bayern Munich get toppled because they've won it for the last six seasons on the trot and everybody that's not connected to Bayern would like a little change. And, and, and yes, yeah, so it's going to be tight and it's going to make for a fascinating last 12 games um, and it's going to be a very, very interesting watch, not just um, domestically, but also on the European stage, because that will start to affect all the clubs that are still involved in the knockout stages that will have an impact on their domestic form potentially. Um, so yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more because this is what we wanted. We wanted a, a, a title race, a, a battle of the top, didn't we? But to go back just to... Um, as you mentioned uh, about the European games, obviously you've been specialising very much uh, on the Liverpool game coming up. Is we're all looking forward to it. Um, listeners will probably hear this just before, if they time it right, before the uh, Liverpool game on Tuesday. How do you see that going, Chris? Is it going to be a goal spree as both teams are so good going forward, but a little bit iffy at the back, especially with Van Dijk now being out for Liverpool as well because that suspension. Yeah, he will be for that first game. Obviously, he'll be back for the um, game in the Allianz. But yes, I, th I think we can expect there to be plenty of goals. In the press conference this afternoon, I was sat next to a German journalist who asked Nico Kovac, do you think with the hype that's come along with this game and the expectation that you know it could be a nil-nil and, and Kovac's response was, no, I don't think it's going to be a goalless score at all. Um, he said both teams have got the ability to attack um, and that obviously has a bearing on, on their ability to defend as well. Uh, so I think everybody's going to be in for a goal fest. Um, how how it goes, I think a genuinely too close to call. I went on 
um, Radio City in Liverpool this morning and, and said, I can see this going the whole way um, to a full 120 minutes and penalties potentially in the second leg because both sides are, are quite a fair representation on the field. They, they will be pretty much equal, It'll, although the one will be in red and, and one will be in, in an away kit. Um, they will both look very similar at times because they're both excellent going forward and both look a little bit wobbly at the back at times. And that's even with Liverpool having strengthened in that area. I think a game of this magnitude, if you do leak a goal, I think it affects you no matter who you are. Um, and all of Iron Robin's talk pre-match, that atmosphere won't um, intimidate Bayern and that they... You know, they're a very professional side and they'll get on with it. As I said last week, if they get do go a goal down, I think that would affect their play. And likewise, if they go a goal up, I think that'll affect Liverpool's play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can see it going all the way. And I think the three of us can agree that goals are definitely on the menu. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But um, guys, let's talk a little bit more about the Bundesliga and let's move into Saturday. And... An interesting uh, tie between Stuttgart and RB Leipzig. Seeing uh, the guy that we've mentioned plenty on the podcast in the last few weeks, Tyler Adams, uh, the American youngster, which uh, Manu kind of filled us up in information with, um, had a sublime assist uh, for Paulson uh, to get the uh, final goal of the game. Uh, Manu, uh, Leipzig are looking pretty good at the moment, aren't they? Uh, they've, they've kind of turned a bit of a corner um, in previous times and last four games I've got three wins and a draw things are definitely looking on the up yeah I was actually really impressed by Leipzig and um, this will sound odd because they struggled in this game a little bit Bryce but what I found was impressive about it is that um, anyone who's been to the Mercedes-Benz Arena in Stuttgart knows it's a very loud crowd the Karnstädter Kurve is very hostile very loud, noisy. Um, they put up quite a show and really stood behind this VfB side that is in the middle of a relegation battle. And it can be a very intimidating crowd, crowd uh, ground to play at. And I think that um, the way Leipzig, the, the first five minutes, Leip, five minutes, Leipzig were excellent and they scored. And then from the fifth minute to 68th minute, they kind of lost the plot a little bit. And I thought it was really interesting um, how they you could see the learning curve in those 63 minutes with this Leipzig side, how they were able to, how Rangnick and the, the players that he had on the pitch were able to adjust to the circumstances that they were facing. And when they scored that second goal, all of a sudden they completely turned this around. Um, even though Stuttgart hit them with fouls, it was a very physical play. Lots of one-on-one -on -one situations, lots of 50-50 battles. And um, it's something that Leipzig in the past has really struggled. We remember the, the game against Besiktas last season. We remember the, the game in Glasgow that Chris was at. Um, those were scenarios that really hurt them. And I thought it was really interesting how they were once again faced with a situation like that really struggled with it for 63 minutes, but you could see almost in those 63 minutes how they, the side almost adjusted to it and really got the best out of it and in the end were deserved winners. And um, one player was stood out in particular, and I think his learning curve, and this is to all our US uh, listeners, it, it's remarkable. Tyler Adams, 
how in this game, a really difficult game for him, he really managed to stem against the flow and adjusted the, the way the midfield was operating for Leipzig. As a 19-year-old American playing his fourth Bundesliga game, his third Bundesliga game over 90 minutes, um, when you see it firsthand, I mean, we've seen it all on TV, we've analyzed the situation, but when you see that firsthand, um, it's even more impressive. And I think for for Leipzig, he will be a key player um, going forward the next three, four years, much more than anyone anticipated. Yeah, RB Leipzig seem to have got themselves a real gem there. And you know, the push for Champions League football is, is really in full flow for them. Um, Chris, let's talk a little bit about their opponents in Stuttgart. Things really aren't looking very good for them, are they? That's 15 points from the first 22 games, and that's their worst ever tally in Bundesliga history. Uh, they are third from bottom. There's two teams below them, Hanover and Nuremberg, which we've said you know, it looks unlikely they'll be able to pull out of that situation, but them and Osberg are really battling it out, and it, it doesn't look very good for Stuttgart at the moment, does it? No, it doesn't. They've changed their coach. They've obviously now changed their sporting director, um, would be... I think quite remiss to think that Thomas um, would have such a a big change inside a week. He's obviously going to need some time there, Thomas Itzelberger, to to sort out um, Stuttgart's problems. But yeah, they're, they are quite right. They're in a relegation battle. Um, you can only blame the club itself, really. Maybe the way it's been handled and maybe the recruitment and also the retention policy hasn't been particularly good. But for all the problems they've had, um, they are still only three points away from safety, relative safety. I think now the gap to 14th is, is far too much for any of those sides down there, um, apart from Augsburg, who could probably just about make that. Um, but for the three for the three stalwarts of the relegation places, uh, Nuremberg, Hanover and Stuttgart, I think safety is 15th for any of them teams now. Obviously a massive point for Nuremberg, um, this evening, uh, as we record this, um, Hanover as well. They unfortunately they were pummeled by Hoffenheim, but they've still got themselves a fighting chance. It's whether they can turn it round. And to be brutally honest, um, and without sounding patronising to either of those sides, um, there's there's two, maybe three, far better teams in the division below that would add a lot more to the league than. Um, unfortunately Hanover and Nuremberg have this season and I think he, even if Union Berlin were to get third they could probably topple whoever gets 16th at the moment so uh, I, whilst it's never nice to see any sides go down I think if you're going to get replacements from the league below that are going to improve the league as a whole I think that's probably something to look forward to. Yeah absolutely and if if Union did come up well We'd have a Berlin derby on our hands, wouldn't we, in the Bundesliga, which would be lovely too. I'd move to Berlin saying. if that happened, because that would be... Um, I don't know what my wife and kids would think of it, but I'd definitely move to Berlin on that, because that would be um, that would be phenomenal to see, not just a, a Berlin derby, but to see a former um, Eastern European side in the, um, in the Bundesliga, because we don't really have one. OK, RB Leipzig are from... Um, Germany's old east side but they're not an old DDR team so to have Union Berlin in I think would be would be brilliant. Oh wouldn't it but we'll not get too excited just yet I think um Manu just to go back to uh, Stuttgart uh, as Chris said you know it's 
it goes beyond even the players on the field. Uh, it seems to be the way that the clubs ran, and there has been protests uh, over the weekend, hasn't there? Um, if if you could touch a little bit on that. Yeah, President Dietrich. Um, I guess Reschke gone, the sporting director gone, so the the fans didn't didn't get to protest against him anymore. But yeah, President Dietrich. Um, and one of the jokes I heard when I was um, there by one of the fans, he he first he ruined Stuttgart 21, which is the um, central station project, um, massive central station project in in Stuttgart, and he he was in charge of that, and um, it, it's it's been a massive disaster. I think similar to if people were not quite familiar with what's going on in Stuttgart, similar to what happened or is still going on with the uh, airport in Berlin. And um, they're saying, well, he first he ruined the train station and now he's ruining VfB Stuttgart. So not a very popular man in, in, in Stuttgart right now because he, of course, he was the architect of getting in uh, investors into the club. Um, first and foremost, Daimler or Mercedes-Benz, um, which is, of course, good because they paid a lot of money for it. But that money has now been used um, or <laughs> spent. And the result is them being in a relegation battle. And I think um, a lot of Stuttgart fans, rightfully so, are seeing this quite critical. Um, I think the one thing that really confuses me, and maybe this is my final point about Stuttgart, is that when you look at the individual players, um, and we've chatted off the pod, um, for example, with Matthew Marshall as well, who does quite a lot of observations. And I think he's quite right when he describes Askazibar as, as a midfielder who's, who's struggling quite a bit. But... This was a very good player last year, right? Same with uh, Anastasios Donis. This is a very talented player. Mario Gomez scored goals plenty last year. Stuttgart finished seventh. And you look at all these individual players and you almost wonder why they're not a unit anymore. And that is something I think personally that has to be addressed through coaching. And um, I hear through the grapevine that the coaching sessions... Um, are very rudimentary <laughs> in Stuttgart, very basic. And um, perhaps while it was the, maybe the right move to replace Reschke, um, who was very, very for, very much for changing Weinzierl, I think this is something that Hitzelsberger, if the results don't improve, may have to address anyways. Yeah, tough times for Stuttgart. Things are not looking good for them at all on or off the pitch, are they? But um, let's talk about something a little bit more positive in, well, pizza time, what we call it, Claudio Pizarro, um scored once again, yes, once again, uh, scoring right at the end to get an equaliser for Werder Bremen. Uh, I don't think anyone really seen this goal coming until that man came on the field. Um, that's 40 years and 136 days old. Um, a free kick that um, when we were speaking um, during the weekend, Chris kind of said it was a little bit like pinball. Uh, and Chris, um, it was, wasn't it? He took a few deflections, but ultimately I'm glad that the goal was still awarded to him. It could have been awarded to any one of seven players. I'm surprised that the dubious goals panel of the Bundesliga went with Claudio Pizarro for that because was it going in? I'm not so sure. Um, I'm not so sure it was going in, to be brutally honest. I think um, Jostein might have got there, but we'll never know because it came off two players. So um, whilst I'm all for Claudio Pizarro rocking it at 40, same age as me, putting me to absolute shame playing top flight football still, uh, I'm not so sure that is a goal that he will um, maybe want to take in with his 
with his records and I hope he scores another one just so that's not the final goal we all remember in Bayern I'm pretty sure that he will score plenty more between now and the end of the season but yeah what can you say that hasn't been said about him he's been scoring he's done it all he's seen it all and done it all in Germany and he's you know won everything he can um, in the game um, whilst he's been in Germany domestically and also European Champions League um, so yeah there's there's not really anything I can add that hasn't been said not just by us but by the 20 years of football that he's played and that's a very long time to play top level football 20 years if um, if we're looking at the likes of Ronaldo and Messi and I do know they're a step above but they've been constantly at it for like 10-11 years this is Claudio Pizarro who's been doing it for 20 and, and that's something that I think every player should aspire to these days especially um, with the levels of fitness and, and nutrition and conditioning they get this is maybe a sight into the future of how long players can go on playing yeah most certainly Manard, if we just go to you on Claudio Pizarro just uh, for a moment. I mean, when he finally hangs his boots up, probably another 10 years' time, um, how will he be regarded um, in Germany? <laughs> I mean, he's a legend. I, I love the interview he gave in the sports studio, and um, they asked him, is he going to sign a new contract? And he said, well, he would like to, but he has to, has to uh, listen to his body first and figure out if he still has the strength. Um I mean, Chris is quite right uh, to, to to play at this age and um, this this top level football. Um, you have to remember too the way football has adjusted in the last twenty years. Uh, that this is this is the other thing. It's that for the game has changed so much in terms of speed, in terms of um, distances run by players, and to, to to step it up and still learn and still improve as a player in that age is remarkable. Um, so yeah, he will be an absolute legend. I think the funniest story that I heard last night, and I have to add this, um, apparently when he and Max Kruse were discussing um, the free kick, Pizarro said he will just uh, hit it over the wall and put it in into the uh, right underneath the crossbar um, with a nice curved ball. And then Max Kruse just looked at him and said, "Well, in your age, you don't have the strength to shoot a ball like that anymore. So <laughs> just put it underneath the wall, and that's what he did." <laughs> that was definitely my favorite story coming out of it, especially since it worked. Um, but yeah, it, I, I, he said he he said that told that story himself um, into the microphones at ZDF, uh, which just shows you know the kind of character he is. He's he's more than willing to make fun of himself. I would have enjoyed it if he had said he was going to put it over the wall and into the top corner and then just hit it like he did with the thousand hits that that it took on his way in and then he went, see, I told you I put it in the back of the net. That would be brilliant. Yeah. Oh, what a guy, eh? Um, it's it's great that he's, he's still going and he can still contribute rather than maybe just sitting on the bench for a whole season and seeing out the, um, the entirety of the season. Um, but yeah, let's um let's talk a little bit then about um Frankfurt and uh, Gladbach. Um, both teams have dropped points, didn't they? Uh, in this one-one, both teams are, are not really been hitting fine form of recent times, Chris. Have they? I mean, Eintracht have, have built up quite a few draws, um, including even in Europe as well. Even though that was, that was a somewhat happier affair than maybe the, in their league draws. And Borussia Mönchengladbach, when we were talking a little bit about whether they would possibly be title contenders, 
that's kind of fallen by the wayside as well. Yeah, it has. I think Gladbach can rule themselves out of being in a title fight now. Um, 43 points they're on, Bayern above them on 48. That's a pretty big gap to make up to a team like Bayern Munich. And then Dortmund um, sitting pretty on 51. Um, So that's an even bigger gap to them. So I think Gladbach have have maybe reached their glass ceiling. And to finish third, after the the few seasons they've had, um, especially over the last couple, domestically they they did quite well in the Europa League a couple of seasons back but domestically for them to finish third I think would be um, a fantastic result for Dieter Hecken and, and his whole staff there will have brought Borussia Mönchengladbach to the the next level because um, they would be the main challengers behind the the fancy too um, but yeah Frankfurt have well they've started to do a Frankfurt uh, the, the two or three years that we've been doing this pod it's Every um, second half of the season, Frankfurt have, have tended to tail off and maybe they're just tailing off a little bit later than they have done because it seems to be from the start um, of the second half of the season straight away that they've they've fallen down. I hope for their sake it's not. Um, I hope they don't fall too much further down. I mean, they're currently seventh on 34 points. If you look at the teams behind them, Hoffenheim 33, Hertha um, 32 and even Werder Bremen on 31 so there is a, a potential for them if it all goes wrong to drop to 10th place and I think that would be a, a terrible result for Adi Hutter um, not professionally but for him personally because of how well Frankfurt were playing and it, it wasn't that long ago we were discussing could they potentially break into that top four could they catch RB Leipzig well um, you know there's, there's a bit of a gap going on there now um, seven points so that the, the three-point gap that they had has now turned to seven over a few match days and over a few more that seven could turn into 10 or 12 but I just hope for Frankfurt that this doesn't affect them in the Europa League because you know the six wins out of six that they got in the group stage um, set them up brilliantly for, for an attack on the on the final stages okay they got a, a draw at, um, against Shakhtar Donetsk but that's not a bad result at the end of the day with Shakhtar's experience in both the Europa League and the Champions League, that's still recoverable. Um, but on uh, the Bundesliga-wise, yeah, I, I hope that they don't start to slip any further because I'd like to see them in Europe again next season. And obviously, if they don't win the Europa League, they're going to need to finish fifth or sixth. And uh, they're still there, touching distance, 34. Uh, Wolfsburg above them, 35. And silently, um, Bayer Leverkusen have crept up very, very quickly to um, fifth place so yeah it's, it's going to be a struggle for Frankfurt if they carry on dropping as many points as, as they're doing unless those around them can start dropping points which isn't tending to happen at the moment. Yeah Manu how is it you feel about uh, Frankfurt at the moment I mean obviously they got the draw in the Europa League uh, we do want to see them in Europe uh, as Chris uh, rightfully said uh, they've got Hanover coming up next uh, in the league on on the Sunday game. Surely that's a chance to get back to winning ways. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the the perfect game for them at this stage. Uh, I be I will be in Frankfurt on Thursday um, to cover the the return leg for um, the Football Grad Network, and a game I'm very much looking forward to. Um, I I like going to the Commerzbank Arena. It's it's a proper ground. It's a loud stadium. They really embrace the Europa League much more than any other teams of the big big leagues, um, big four leagues in Europe. I think 
their fan groups are just fantastic really show how much value that competition has and um, it's, it's great to see that and as a result i think it would be great to see them back in it next year again um, i think what we have to keep in mind is the results and against woo they they, they got these results it was leipzig um, a draw against leipzig right a draw against Shakhtar Donetsk, which Chris is quite right. Shakhtar Donetsk are a very good team. Um, this is the sort of team that should be probably still be in the Champions League, right? And um, very narrowly missed out because of possibly because of uh, a, a tough UEFA decision to move the last home game from Kharkiv to to Kiev against Lyon, where they played uh, in front of a very empty crowd um, at the Olympijski. So they should be still in the Champions League. And to get a 2-2 draw after a long trip in a very cool place, I think it's it's quite a good result. And I, I reckon they have a good chance of going through. So we have to kind of put it into that context. So if they get the three points against Hannover, they will be straight back on track. And I think, too, what you also have to keep in mind, this is a statistic that I read, um, 32 of their 40 goals were scored by the top three, Jovic, Haller, and and um Rivich. so they have to just learn maybe to spread the goal scoring a bit more among the other members of the team because if this top three are not scoring they're a little bit in trouble yeah absolutely and as you said the uh, games that they have dropped points against uh, in those draws you know, you've got Werner Bremen who have been pretty good this season Dortmund, Shakhtar, RB Leipzig and then Gladbach so they have had a tough run of games, if if we're to be fair to them. Um, guys, let's speak a little bit about Wolfsburg then. Wolfsburg are up to sixth. Yes, uh, another impressive uh, victory for them, a 3-0 win against uh, Mainz. Uh, Chris, I've asked this several times in the last few weeks, but how far do we think Wolfsburg can go? Do, do we think that they're destined to get into the Europa League uh, and play a bit of European football next year? I mean, the table's so tight around those two Europa League slots. You can go all the way down to 10th place at the moment. Um, so fifth, there's five teams fighting for two slots, and I think that'll continue for the rest of the season. But Wolfsburg just have to keep doing what they're doing, which is pulling out good results. Um, they started the season very well. They had a little bit of a dip, um, but they've recovered that. And, yeah, I think Bruno Labbadee has, has come in and... Not only did he um, get them survival last season, but I think we all wanted to see what could he do with his side, where could he take them. Well, he's taken them as far away um, from 16th as I think anyone has imagined. I thought they would be happy around about 10th place. Well, they're um, they're four slots above that in sixth. And if they do get European football, I think maybe that's a, a bigger turnaround as what Kovac did at Frankfurt by taking them from relegation threatened side up to well there was a Pokal final and then Europe off the back of the the next season um, by winning that obviously left to go to Bayern but it will be an an equal representation of of achievement I think should Wolfsburg get into the Europa League next season but Bryce if they were to finish eighth um, or even ninth and just miss out by a point or two we're talking about a side that has played um, two back-to-back relegation playoffs. Um, they really, after playing two back-to-back relegation playoffs, they should really be 17th because you shouldn't be improving that much. They haven't changed the world. They haven't brought in superstars. They haven't you know, made sweeping changes throughout the whole club from top to bottom. 
they've just tweaked a, a few little places here and there and I think it's all down to the coaching really why they're, they're as high as they are um, and and yeah I think come the end of the season uh, anywhere from 10th and above would be a great result for them and is it start of the ascendancy again is it the way Wolfsburg are they going to go back to becoming a side that can I think the title would be well beyond their reach but are they a side that could start maybe challenging for top four consistently that's something we'll have to wait and see because I mean listeners of this podcast will know I've been to Wolfsburg on many times and although it's not always full it is a nice ground and there's always a nice feeling around the place and Obviously, I'm a massive Volkswagen fan, so I, I like the Autostadt and I like the whole vibe of the place. And for them to be in Europe and, and pushing for Champions League places, I think would be would be a good advert for the league. Also, Chris wants to go back to the Autostadt. Yes, I do. So we need to be in Europe. Although I'm looking at an Audi now, so maybe I'll drive it there. Yeah, but Audi's in Ingolstadt. And they're, well, they could play 1860 next year. I'm I'm glad that we've covered that, guys. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's the main thing. That and if important. Audi and Volkswagen want to send us any free gift fees, feel free to do so. You can get me at Twitter on Chris78Williams. <laughs> well, if a car turns up, I'm going to be royally pissed. But um, anyway, let, let's get back to the football. I, no, Manu, you're not allowed to do a plug for a car either. Uh, let's, um, let's see how Wolfsburg get on when they play at Borussia Mönchengladbach away. Uh, next uh, Saturday, that could be an interesting one, especially with Dieter Hacking's men um, only picking up one point in their last two games. Um, but yeah, now now we've got to talk about a team that played on Sunday and got yet another victory, and leaving Chris and I a little bit concerned because we've abused Manu all season about him saying that Leverkusen are going to win the league. Are they going to? It's unlikely, but it's getting more and more uncomfortable every week under Peter Bosch. Um, Manu, Leverkusen are looking pretty good these days. I suppose the main question is, how has Peter Bosch done this? And then the sub-question is, will the wheels come off the bus just like it did with Dortmund last season? <laughs> yeah, I think that is a very good question. I think we're kind of all waiting for it to happen, right? I th It's really interesting because Leverkusen really wanted to sign Peter Bosch already last year. And then ultimately um, lost out on him because he Dortmund also got involved, right, and, and signed him under the, uh, signed Bosch under Leverkusen's nose. And um, in the end of the day, you almost wonder. Your, for Dortmund, Bosch was a backup plan because they didn't get Favre last year. And um, I, I we're going to talk about Dortmund a little bit, and I still think Favre is a perfect fit for Dortmund. Um, Bosch didn't seem to be a perfect fit for Dortmund at all, simply because of the way he plays football, that 4-3-3 attacking football. Um, doesn't really fit the more possessive style um, football that they learned under Tuchel. Right? We all still think of this as a club side, but in reality this is more of a Thomas Tuchel side. And um, th they need to play dominant football simply because where they are in the league. So I just don't think Bosch was maybe a good fit. Um, oddly enough, I think it, he he would have been a great fit already last year for Leverkusen because of that 4-3-3 and he has so much attacking talent. Um, what was the statistic that we, we talked about before this podcast? Leverkusen completed 1,053 passes against Fortuna Düsseldorf. I mean, that's an insane stat. And I, it shows you that 
maybe this was this is this is just a way better match um, in terms of what Leverkusen needed as a coach, and also in terms of what Bosch needed as a, in in a team. Because I think Leverkusen play much are more closer to what Ajax played in that Europa League run than Dortmund ever will, and I think that it's just a better fit question is and this is a big question are teams going to find out Leverkusen the same way they found out Dortmund and what I mean by that is um, and this is this is something that concerned me when he played that three-man midfield with Brandt and Havertz and uh, Aranguiz as the holding midfielder and um, that is a very offensive-minded midfield that, I mean, this is not an attacking three. This is the midfield playing behind an attacking three that includes Bellarabi, Brandt, uh, Volland. So where are they go? Is that, is that enough stability long-term? And I think this is something that's going to be interesting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Chris, obviously, you follow Dortmund very closely. Uh, and you've seen plenty of uh, Peter Bosk when he was there last year. Um, do you think like Manu, that possibly Leverkusen are a better fit and less likely for those wheels to come off the bus. It looks like it's a good fit at the moment. He's come in and, and transformed the, the club from top to bottom, um, not only with his presence, but, but the way he's got them playing and, and maybe even believing in themselves. They look like a side um, that you know I think Manu thought they would be anyway without Peter Bosch. And he's starting to get the best out of those players. And we've spoken continuously on this pod about how Leverkusen should be doing better than they were because of the talent at their disposal. Well, Peter Bosch has come in and he's got those talent playing well together and they're playing such an exciting brand of football. And okay, he didn't do particularly well at Dortmund. It started well, but then tailed off very quickly and very poorly. But I don't think we can hold that over him when it, when it comes to this Leverkusen side, because if we disregard his time at Dortmund, you would just say, oh, actually, look, he's doing what he did at Ajax. And, and they were a very good side, punched above their weight, got through to a Europa League final. And I think that's something that Bayer Leverkusen would uh, most definitely want to emulate. And is is Peter Bosch the person to do that? We'll have to wait and see. My only worry is is when, and, and they will at some point, hit a blip in the road. Um, how quickly he turns it round. If he turns it round inside of one or two matches, then I think this could be the perfect fit for him. And yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting. Um, the next game for Dortmund because Peter Bosch is going to um, go back at a time when Dortmund aren't playing particularly well, and um, he could hurt them a lot more than he helped them the other week with a win against Bayern. Yeah, I'm sure Bosch would thoroughly enjoy returning. Uh, to Dortmund and well preventing them to pick up three points once again um, after his time there uh, that's going to be a really intriguing game next weekend especially after the Monday night game so we need to go into full crisis mode here are you ready want natural healthy looking shine and voluminous curls and waves that make you look like you just stepped out of a salon it's easy with conair jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers these 12 ceramic flocked rollers heat up in just 85 seconds and because they're infused with ceramic they transfer heat evenly for big bouncy long-lasting curls 
Twice the flocking of competitive products means more heat protection. Wire clips ensure a secure hold. Makes a great gift for yourself or someone special. Go to conair.com for jumbo and super jumbo hot rollers now. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. That's right. Dortmund have been miles ahead for many and many weeks. And now it's down to just three points after they drew. Uh, they dropped points once again, nil-nil away to Nuremberg on the Monday night game. Manu, I feel that we have to um, talk about not just this game, uh, but this run of games, really. Because even um, against Tottenham in the Champions League, the first half went OK but then they completely imploded in the second half. What exactly is going on with Borussia Dortmund at the moment? First of all, how brilliant for you to find uh, Stefan Buschko's tweet. I guess that was going to blow up in his face sooner or later. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I thought, you know, if, if one side, you know, drops points, we're going to have to find the other. Yeah, it's fair enough. Um, I warned him at the time not to say it because it was too early. Um, I hope that warning um, is not going to come true. But it, it's an odd one for me because I actually thought that Dortmund played quite well against Tottenham. And um, that Saka do chance just before halftime, I think that goes in. That's that's going to be a very different game. But um, there's a big but. They have been kind of um, snatching at the chances a little bit. Um, even that game against Hoffenheim where they drop points after being 3-0 up um, as fantastic as they were at times, I think they've almost become too thrilled with their own way of playing in some ways and um, what led to the crisis is the fact that they play too beautiful football and not result-based football, which is something that I think ahead of the winter break really defined the way, the way they were playing football and the likes of Jaden Sancho and Guerrero, etc., they're all almost too much in love of how they're playing. And I think they need to just be getting back to the way of just putting in the chances that they're creating, being clinical, scoring goals, and um, not getting involved in fancy footwork football when they're up by three goals. They need to finish off opponents because that game, I watched. I watched the end of that game, um, at the Allianz Arena, and um, they had enough chances to make it 4-0, 5-0, and then at that stage, Hoffenheim will not come back. And I think that's in the back of your head. And I think that is really it, um, not putting away your chances and not scoring goals at key moments, which is a difference to the first half of the season. Chris, well, what about you? If, if we go and speak to you for... You know, a brief spell about what has possibly gone wrong at Dortmund. Do you agree with Manu? Do you do you think they they need to be putting away teams and and they're maybe I don't know maybe rotating a little bit too much? I mean, what's your thoughts? 
not sure they're rotating too much. I think they're, they're rotating as and when is necessary. Um, earlier on this season, I wrote an article about if Dortmund, and it's still on com. if Dortmund want to win the league, um, Marco Royce is key to that happening. And I think we saw, especially this evening, um, his absence, uh, it's almost like there's something missing, and, and there is, it's, it's Marco Royce. But I think the players around him know it when he's missing and as much as I like Maximilian Philip, I don't think he's had the impact that maybe he'll have wanted to and he certainly hasn't had the, the impact of, of Marco Royce playing in, in that same wide position um, and he also doesn't have the ability to drift around as, as well as Royce does so I think it would be hard to say um, that you know it's, it's, it's incumbent on Philip to do that um, but yeah, it's it's looking, it's not looking good at the moment. And take the Tottenham result out of it because man is quite right. They did look good. For, I thought for the first half they looked very good, um, but once again it was the the late late goals that they leaked. Um, I think the only positive you could take from the Nuremberg result is that they didn't leak a late goal, but also they didn't score one, and that's something that they've been able to do recently. Fifteen goals. Dortmund have scored this season in the last 15 minutes and that seems to have drifted away. If you look at the side that played this evening versus the one that played against Augsburg very early on in the season, you know that crazy um, 4-3 game, well that was a game that even though Dortmund were leaking goals, they didn't look like they were going to lose and that sort of spark and energy has gone for them. And Is it a crisis at the moment? I think maybe we have to, to call it a little bit of a mini-crisis because they've started to drop points um, quite a lot. If if you look at the the Leipzig game where I think I've, I've gone on record and said whilst they won that game, they were very fortunate. They, there was an element of luck there also. Roman Berkey had a fantastic good game from that. There was the victory against Hanover and then from then on in, they, they dropped points at Frankfurt and they really should have won that game um, Royce had the chances and the opportunities to make that three, um, three nil at one point. Um, then Manu's quite rightly said the Hoffenheim game. I mean, if if Dortmund don't win the league, that's certainly one result I'll look back on because that should never have happened. And and then tonight isn't particularly good. But as we've said before, Dortmund looked like they're dropping points, but Bayern also looked like they could drop points. So. We've got a full-on title race, and the next few weeks are going to be very interesting. Already said, um, Peter Bosch is going to take his Bayer Leverkusen side um, back to the Westfalenstadion. Then after that, there's a trip to Augsburg. Well, they've been playing quite well recently, um, as well as winning games like they did against Mainz. They also took Bayern the distance. They would fancy their chances against a weakened Dortmund side or one that's not got any confidence. And then is a, there's another difficult trip down to a relegation-threatened team, which they didn't cope with today. They've got to um, host um, Stuttgart. How can they do there? And then there's a trip away to Hertha Berlin in, in the next four games. And um, last season, I was at that game, and, and that was a, a 1-1 draw, and they weren't particularly good there either. So the scope for Dortmund to pick up a, a, a 12 points, potentially, if they can get back. But there's also a scope for them to pick maybe three or four points from then 12, which I think if they only do that, the title race could pretty much be over. And Chris said, you know, it, it might be a, might be a one-word answer here, but do you see any hope in that Champions League tie against Tottenham? 
No, that, that's your one-word answer. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. Um, Manu, I mean, Chris has went into it in some depth there. This uh, this mini crisis, and it it is a three point gap now compared to what it what it has been. Um, would you say that this is Favre's fault? Um, particularly, I mean, you you mentioned before we came on the podcast that he, he's gambled the title away before. Yeah, that's something that has been mentioned here in Germany. The 2000, um, 2009, 2010, I believe it was with Hertha. Um, in the end, that that title went to Wolfsburg. Um, of all teams, um, real title chance that that was missed uh, for Hertha at the time, and uh, he, he, I mean, he's an he's an excellent coach. Um, there's no doubt about it. Um, so. I think to say that was his it is his fault is kind of harsh. I think Chris is quite right saying Marco Royce is really missing, um, and his players are just not putting away the chances. I don't think that is his doing at all. I mean, you know, he may have gotten it. There a lot of people said he he got the tactics wrong against Tottenham, but what was he supposed to do? You know, the entire backline is out of injuries, and you don't have Manuel Akanji in the line. You don't have. Um, you have an unfit Diallo, you have to play top rock in defense, you know, that's not ideal at all. And uh, yes, Tottenham have had injuries too, but I think um, it's much easier to compensate maybe sometimes for attacking players and defensive players, especially when you're on the road. So I, I think that's, that's these are things to keep in mind. And I think the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that this crisis was always going to happen. I think this is just the bottom line. If you are on the road to the title, Dortmund, and I said this before, they will have to collect in the regions of 81 points to win the title. And we all knew that they were not going to just fly to the title like Bayern have done over the last six years. It's not. It was not going to happen. because, And this is the first thing that everyone in Dortmund will tell you. This is still a team in transition. So I think the real question now is, how are Dortmund going to cope with this crisis? That is really something that needs to be answered. And Maybe the crisis will be over next week when they beat Leverkusen 4-0. Or it will be really worse because they lost. I think that's that's the real question right now. Well, that that was going to be my final question then to you both. Though. What way do you see that game going? Obviously, one side in tremendous form, the other one quite off form. Um, Chris, how, how do you see it going between Leverkusen and Dortmund? Right now, I, I couldn't call it. Um, maybe... Maybe ask me midweek, but at the moment, I, I still think that Dortmund have enough to get past Leverkusen. I'm pretty sure that the whole club will not want Peter Bosch to come back and, and cause an upset. And let's remember that if you, if you want to win the league, you have to pick up um, points where your rivals have failed. So recently, Bayern um, dropped three points to buy Leverkusen. Dortmund will want to pick up three points because that's, that's, that's a swing um, in essence, back to them uh, as it goes on. If you can pick up points where your rivals are dropping them against those sides, um, it doesn't matter if they can pick up three points against Bayer Leverkusen. Then if they were to go to the Allianz, they've got already a, a three-point cushion more in their pockets. So it's going to be swings and roundabouts. But I genuinely don't know because at the moment you don't know what Dortmund side are going to turn up. It could be the side that hammers Hanover or it could be the side that looks really poor against Nuremberg. I think Royce might be back for that one, Bryce, and I think that will change everything. 
if he's back, then I think they, they have a really good chance of winning that game. On the other hand, Leverkusen could narrow the gap to the title to just 12 points. <laughs> wow. There is always that fear, isn't there? Uh, that that would be the that would be my biggest concern over the weekend. I think that you would get closer and closer to to getting away with all the abuse that we give you all year. But uh, I think we're still safe for now. But um, guys, yeah, let's see how that one pans out. It's going to be a fantastic game, um, a game that we'll uh, we'll be covering closely and talking about plenty next week. Um, but. As always, um, nowadays, this is the third week, I suppose, uh, we do Team of the Week. So, um, guys, I hope that you're prepared. There's an awful lot going on at the moment. But, um, Chris, we'll go to you first. Would you like to rhyme off your Team of the Week? I I think we should go to Manu first because you've been to me for the last two. And in the interest of fairness, and uh, we wouldn't want our listeners thinking that our pod show is corrupt like the rest of football. Fair enough. That that's absolutely fair. What you're almost suggesting is that people might think that Manu's copying your team of the week. But enough of those accusations, Manu. Rhyme off your team of the week. Oh, we've been accused today of having uh, fixed the fixture Liverpool against Bayern for our own benefit. Team of the week. Um, we did. Yeah, we? we got accused. I know. Apparently, we are powerful enough to influence UEFA's draw. But um, here's the actual team of the week. Um, so I, I went and go with Martinia after tonight's performance. I, I, that was kind of a no-brainer. Um, I thought he was excellent. And um, big reason why Nuremberg did get a point against Dortmund. And then in defense, I went with uh, Knoche. Once again, Knoche uh, from, from Wolfsburg. Orban, I thought he was fantastic. A um, little unlucky with the handball. Um, I... I I spoke plenty about the handball rule, and I, I think we can't really blame too much for it. Uh, Vogt, Hoffenheim, back on track. Big reason was Vogt for it. Uh, then I went with a midfield four. Arnold, um, Wolfsburg, midfielder, had an excellent weekend as well. Um, then added Demi by uh, Once again, Hoffenheim, great weekend for them. Adams, um, I, I just loved the way he adapted to a very difficult game situation and then that assist um, go online. I think our friend James Knowlton, he has a tweet out where you can watch it. What an amazing assist. I got to see it live and had almost jumped off my seats. It was quite fantastic. And Kai Havertz, once again, um, can't speak highly enough of this kid. And then an attack, um, Koman. Yeah, I, th- I thought he was the man of the match against Augsburg. May actually be the man of the of the weekend, and it looks like he's going to be fit against Liverpool. So, so good news for for Bayern there. Uh, Paulson, he was fantastic against Stuttgart, two goals, and um, deal Once again, he could be making the team of the week once again. Yeah, very good choices. Belfodil, yeah, has, has been fantastic the last few weeks, hasn't he? Uh, Chris, then. This better not be the exact same side, or I'm going to start to question whether you boys are copying each other. Uh, go ahead, ram off your team. It's pretty much the same, uh, the same side, Bryce. Oh, so here we go. Um, goalkeeper and um, back three are exactly the same. The only difference I've got, and so the attacking three, the only difference I've got is um, I've got Maximilian Eggestein in there with Havertz, um, Demma Bryan. I've um, lobbed in Nico Schultz from Hertha Berlin. Um, but it's pretty much the same as Manu's side apart from those two players. And um, there is no copying as such, Bryce, because we have to pick the best 11 players and you're not going to really get anything that's wildly different. And there'll only ever be a couple of 
um, a couple of couple of slots up for discussion, I think. Yeah, that that is a very good point, and and the truth, there's only going to be so many standout players. So, Manu, what what is our team of the week, and what areas have we we've got to fill in midfield? I take it because the goalkeeper, backline, and frontline are all the same. I, I think Bryce, you should be the deciding factor on that. Well, okay, so what have we got? We've got Kai Havertz already in there, and Dembele, uh, your which is. Fair enough. That means it comes down to the other two. So last week, I picked both of Chris's players, which I'm not going to do this week. But I am going to go for both the Maximilians. I'm going to go for Maximilian Arnold. thought he played very well for uh, Wolfsburg. He even got the opening goal there. And yeah, then I'm going to go for Max Ergenstein as well. So I, I think he's been he's been really positive this season for Bremen. Uh, up and down on that right wing. Um, so... That more or less does it, I, th- I think, and that makes it absolutely even as well. There's no bias towards Chris either. We've we've got very political towards the end here, haven't we? But um, yeah, that that does it for for the week. Um, we've got an awful lot going on across the football grant uh, network. Um, as you've heard, your Chris is been on the radio. I hear he's got another radio appearance. There's going to be uh, well, Manu at games. And there's exciting games coming up. So I suppose, guys, well, what have you got to plug, Chris? More radio? Um, well, obviously, I'm in Liverpool. I'll be at the match um, tomorrow night. That'll be tonight, as our listeners listen to it on the first night. So, yeah, I'll be down there for, for football grad, for sports stat. So follow us on that. And obviously, it's not just that one game that's going on. There's a full um, Champions League schedule. There's also a full Europa League schedule. Um, and then... Unfortunately, um, for for Manu and I, who are, are travelling round, we're straight back into the weekend's games on Friday, um, for a, for a Saturday and a Friday Saturday Sunday matchup. So, uh, it's a busy week, Bryce. But there's no complaints. It's just busy. Yeah, that's it. Um, I suppose it it helps to work in something you enjoy, eh, Chris. Um, Manu, what have you got going on in the next few days? Plenty, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm assisting Chris remotely um, on the Liverpool game tomorrow. So uh, plenty of content coming from the biggest match in Europe, maybe the world, uh, on Tuesday night. So really looking forward to it and the content that we can come out with it. Um, and you can follow all of that at Football Rad Live. Um, so that's going to be a big one. But then, of course, on Wednesday, um, Schalke are playing. Um, we got Matt Marshall at that game, so I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Schalke against Manchester City. Those previews, by the way, are up. Uh, they can be found on Fußballstadt.com. And then, of course, the Europa League. I will be in Frankfurt, uh, Commerzbank Arena, on on Thursday <laughs> um, to cover that game. And then uh, back to Munich. Um, still waiting to, to hear back from Bayern uh, for the Saturday game. Um, so, yeah, lots of going on. All of that can be found at Football Grad Live. I was going to say, well, you have been very nice to Bayern in recent weeks, so you, you should be able to get in there, I hope. And also, I'm, I'm glad to hear that Matt Marshall's going to be at uh, you're covering the Schalke game because uh, we haven't really touched them that much. And if they win, then it'll be egg on our faces. But, yes, that more or less does it for the podcast this week. Yes, we've had shortage of goals but we've had plenty to talk about as always uh, midweek the European games plenty on football grad live you can, uh, on Twitter um, head over there if you haven't got enough to watch uh, next week proves to be uh, an exciting weekend of Bundesliga fixtures as well we'll be back then um, to cover it all until then I'll feed us in <laughs>
Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, mich abzuholen. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.